Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Right, so uh, it's my privilege tonight to welcome Vian Brown to the pulpit again. Um, as of next week, Werner will be back. And so next week, um, Andre will be doing the sermon, but the week thereafter, it will be Werner. And so this is the last time um, in this period that we'll be seeing Brown. But we hope to see you again later. But we look so forward to what you have for us tonight. And thank you for your willingness, Werner. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Anna. I almost thought, you know, I did do bad the last couple of weeks. I almost thought he was going to say this is the last time we're going to see Vian up here. I thought like, ah, oh, damn. Failed a bit, but yeah, what a privilege it is to be up here tonight and just to share the word of God that he had in my heart for tonight. But before I begin, let me just pray for us. Yes, Father, thank you that we can just come together as a church, Lord, and thank you that you are the one that calls us together, Lord, and thank you that you have called everyone that's here tonight, Lord, to be here tonight, Father, and the word that you want to share with us, Lord, in, in this season, Father, very specifically for us as a church, Father, and thank you, Lord, that you build your church, Father, as Christian just also shared, Lord, from a group of people, Father, just a, a handful of people, Lord, to where we're at now, Lord, and in a, a short a short time, Lord, you've truly come and build your church, Lord, and come and bless us as a people, Father. And we just want to come and say thank you for that, Lord. And thank you that you're continuing your work, Lord. And thank you that you are present among us, Lord, and that you are building your church. I just going to say thank you, Father. And just pray for the message tonight, Lord, for each each heart, Lord, to just receive your word that you have for us, Father. And that you will come and give that revelation, Lord. Come and make us see in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool, guys. Well, I... Privileges to be here. I'm just going to continue where I left off two weeks ago. Um, I started at the beginning of the year with a, a small sermon series called Purpose in the Presence of God. Just really focusing, you know, we are people called to be in the presence of God and we are people called to do life in the presence of God and to fulfill the purpose God has for us in the presence of God. And just to quickly recap, we started off, I mean, if we can just go to the previous slide, we started off with part one, Jesus as our first love. And we looked at a letter Jesus writes in Revelation 2 to the church in Ephesus, and it speaks about, you know, a, a church that's, that's, that's from the outset, you know, it looks like a real good church. A church full of good works, full of moral purity, with sound doctrine, and it, the scripture actually says that it endured for the name of Jesus. And then if we had to think about, you know, a definition of a church that's near to God, and that would have been my definition a while back. But we also learn in that scripture that Jesus says to them, you know, even though you are full of these good works, I have one thing against you, and that that you have forsaken your first love. They have somehow, in the process of all those good things, they have moved away from God, and they have moved away from the presence of God. And God said, you know, that He would remove the church out of its place, or remove your lampstand from you, you know, if you do not repent and turn back to Me. You know, and we just learn that, you know, if Jesus is not the center of attention in our lives, if if He's not our first love. If he's not the reason why we come together, if he's not the reason we do what we do, then all is in vain. Because we are people, you know, that, that should go and proclaim to the world that they should know God. And that should be our primary purpose, is to know God and to be with God. And then part two, we looked at the body of Jesus, looking at a piece of scripture in Ephesians 2, also to the church in Ephesus, where Paul just writes to them and he says, you know, in this presence of God that we should live our lives and fulfill the purpose of God. We should do this as one body. 
God has called us together as, as one people to fulfill the purpose of Christ. You know, and from the beginning of Scripture, we see this with Adam and his family. And then with the Israelites, you know, one, per, one person, one family, and one nation. And now he's called us together as one church. And he says, like, this one church, all of these individuals are being built together into a spiritual house so the presence of God can dwell in the spiritual house. And we said, you know, that we need these two things, the presence of God and the people of God, if we are to fulfill the purpose of God. And tonight we're going to look at the third part, the God who speaks. You know, and once we have this, this body of people, or this nation of people that's filled with the presence of God, you know, ready for action, ready to move out, all that it needs now is some direction from God. You know, we need the Word of God for our lives. So I just really want to commend also in that sense, you know, the first group of people that came here, because they knew God and they knew that God had a word for them. To say that Shofar Sekunda will be here, you know, this, this will be a church for their lives. You know, if I think back and I had to go there, you know, there's five people meeting in a house saying, no, God has called us to, to plant a church. I, I'm not so sure if I would have stayed. You know, if you can ask yourself the question tonight, um, think about maybe in the week someone invites you and says, we're going to church. And you're driving through the neighborhood and you're thinking to yourself, you know, I can't remember that there's new buildings being built here. And then all of a sudden you stop and you ask, yeah, what's wrong? He says, no, no, we're here. And it's a house. And you get out of your car and you go into the house and there's five people. Quickly ask yourself the question, you know, would, would you have stayed? Would you have trusted God to, to say, Lord, you've, you've spoken to this group of people and you said there's going to be a church. And you're going to hold fast to your word. Because I'm not so sure if I would have stayed. And I just really want to commend that group of people and even those that, get, that, that were added later on for your faithfulness to just hold fast to the word of God. Because it's something we're going to look at tonight is, you know, the God who speaks. And we're going to look at a passage of scripture in John 10 from verse 1 to 22, speaking about Jesus, the good shepherd, the God who speaks and continuously makes the statement about his sheep hearing his voice. Sheep hear his voice and he follows him. And this is just something that's so cool for me. You know, it's what sets the Bible apart from any other book, you know, any other religious book, other any ancient piece of scripture or literature. The Bible is just set apart because not only does the Bible subject itself to historical criticism, you know, God says, This is my word, and you can go and look in history whether the things that I said take place, whether they took place for, for real. And you can go and see in history what God said will happen. That is what happened. And then God actually makes this statement in the book of Isaiah. And he challenges the false gods, you know, the false prophets and all of the idols. And he says, bring to me someone, bring to me another God, bring to me another person that can predict the future. Bring to me someone that can say, this will take place and let's see if it takes place. Because the Bible not only says what will take place, but it also predicts the future. You know, critics said, they can't believe that the Old Testament was written before Jesus came to earth. You know, all of the prophecies made about him, fulfilled in such specific detail. Now, how can it be? Because God's word will always come to pass. What God speaks and says, this is what will happen, that will happen. If God said that there will be a show for in Secunda, there will be a show for in Secunda. If it's planted in a house with five people at the beginning, that doesn't matter, but God's word will come to pass. And we're going to look at that tonight. You know, God's word for our life. He has a specific word for each one of us and for us as a congregation as well. And we need to figure out what that word is. 
You know, many people go through life never receiving the word of God for their lives, never receiving their calling. You know, we have labeled it as a calling these days. You know, I want to receive a calling from God. I want to, to know where He's taking me, where He's sending me. But before we get to the calling that God has for our lives, there's first the call that we must accept. And I'm going to explain the difference between a calling and a call now. But all of us are called by God. All of us are called to be with Him. God says that He desires for all people to be saved and for all people to know Him. And for all of us that's here tonight, He has called all of us, saying that He desires for us to be with Him. And we're going to look at that tonight. So if you can read with me, I don't your Bible on the screen. John 10 verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who doesn't enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used to them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the door of the sheep. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves. The sheep flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I lay my life down for my sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord, and I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and he's insane. Why isn't he? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? I know it's quite a, a lot of scripture, but we're going to again dissect it into smaller pieces and just break it up and look what God has to say for us tonight. And just a, something that I want to illustrate to you in the Greek and the Hebrew, you know, the ancient languages, they, they didn't have many punctuation marks. You know, they didn't use, for example, if they wanted to, to um, exclaim something, exclamation marks. What they used to do is they would repeat something if they want to, to emphasize that fact. You know, and in this scripture, like when Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, you know, that whatever he's going to say is going to be very important. And in this passage, Jesus says two times, truly, truly, I say to you. So already that's, that's very important. You know, he's making emphasis. You've got to listen to what I'm about to say. And then through this passage, four times Jesus speaks about my sheep either hearing or knowing my voice. And three times Jesus speaks about him knowing his sheep or his sheep knowing him. And again, just to explain to you guys in this small passage of Scripture, you know, like we said, you know, the Word of God always comes to pass. And even this is a fulfillment of the prophecy that God gave in Ezekiel 34. In Ezekiel 34, from verse 1 to 10, 
God actually rebukes the leaders of Israel and saying to them, you know, you are shepherds supposed to take care of the sheep, but you only take care of yourself. You don't feed my sheep. And then in verse 11, God says that I myself will come and be their shepherd. And I will gather my flock to myself and they will hear my voice. So Jesus again saying, yeah, the word of God has come to pass. Look, here I am. God became man, the good shepherd, to come and seek for his people. And even there in verse 18, it says, you know, Jesus making the statement that he has authority over life. And he says, no one takes it from me, his life, but I lay it down of my own accord. And I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. And I'm thinking of the people back then, you know, Jesus claiming to have authority over life and death. And then just to again state, you know, that it's not just idle words. God doesn't only say something, you know, he immediately backs it up. Because what happens just after this passage Martha comes running to Jesus and said, Lord, my brother has died. And Jesus goes and he raises Lazarus from the dead. Saying it's, it's not just idle words. If I say I have authority to raise someone from the dead, then I will show you that I can do that. And we know when Jesus died and was resurrected again, that the word of God again came to pass. And specifically, because we see in Ezekiel 34, um, verse 12, God says that in a day of thick clouds and utter darkness, I will save my sheep. And when Jesus was crucified, he said there was darkness over the land from the sixth until the ninth hour. Exactly, precisely as God predicted it. It came to pass. The word of God will always come to pass. And there's this calling for each and every one of our lives. But before we get to that, we see that there's first the call that God gives to us. And he first calls us to himself before he calls us to go and do something for him. If we can go to the next verse, it says there, to him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And we see here that this is a very personal, this is a very intimate, it's an individual call that Jesus gives to his sheep. He says he calls his own sheep by name. Each one of us. And he says there, you know, the sheep hear his voice. There's a lot of people standing in front of Jesus at the moment. You know, and he's saying he's speaking to all of them. All of them are called. And he calls his own sheep by name. But only the sheep that hear his voice, they come to him. You see, there's this passage in Mark 3 verse 13 that says Jesus went upon a high mountain and he called to himself those whom he himself desired and they came to him. You see, again, that is the part we many times imagine that Jesus has called every single one of us that we must come to him when he calls. You know, because this passage of John 10, you know, from this 8, there was this division among the Jews because of the word of Jesus. You know, and they're saying to him, you know, tell us plainly if you are the Messiah, are you the one that came to save us? And Jesus makes the statement in John 8 verse 37 and he says, Those are of God, hear the words of God. I'm calling every one of you. All of the people that stand there, they heard the exact same words. Jesus called all of them. He said to all of them that I am the life. I came so that you can be free. I've come to give you life to all of them. But only those who accepted it, only those came to him. You see, we have these two examples, you know, then again in John 10 verse 20 and 21. These are the two things that will always follow after someone hears the call of Jesus. We hear that many of them said he has a demon and he's insane. Why listen to him? So there will be those that reject the call of Jesus for their lives. Saying that, you know, whoever this guy claims to be, we don't believe it. There's no gray area. There's no neutral position. Or there will be those that says, others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Surely this guy is who he says. Surely this is God speaking to us. 
Surely we will follow the shepherd wherever he leads. And there will be always those two responses. There's no gray area when coming to Jesus. Now, but many times I ask myself, why is it then so difficult to come to Jesus? And especially back then, you know, there was a lot of division among the Jews about the words of Jesus because they understood the call that Jesus gave. They understood to what he called them. Jesus explained it to them, you know, in, in no uncertain terms. Throughout the scriptures, you can go and read in Matthew 6.25, Luke 9.24, Mark 8.35. You know, Jesus is saying to these people, you know, if you desire to come after me, if you desire to follow me, if you desire to have the life that I have for you, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. See, because everybody wants the purpose of, of God for their lives to realize, but nobody wants to let go of their own purpose. You know, that's the difficult part. That is where we struggle. You know, Jesus saying, you know, those who love mother, father, brother and sister more than me is not worthy of me. You know, it's, a, it's, it's a tough call to, to come to. You know, if he says to the rich young ruler, go and sell all that you have and give it away. Don't come and share it with us so that you might still have a bit of it. No, give everything away and come to me and follow me. See, that is where we struggle. That is why only some come to Jesus. And then in verse 7 where Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. He's speaking about the sheep gate in Jerusalem. And the sheep gate was used back then for all of the sheep that was led to the temple to be sacrificed to God. So Jesus is making the statement and he's saying to them, if you, if you want to come and you want to follow me, you still need to go and be sacrificed to God. Living sacrifices. You must go and lay down your life to be sacrificed to God if you want to have all that I have for you. It's, it's not a debate. Either you lay down what you have so that you can take what I have, but you cannot keep what you have. You cannot keep your purpose. You cannot keep your wrong ideas about life or you know, your own selfish purposes and ambitions if you want to have mine. If you want to have mine, you must let go of yours. And, and that is where we struggle. And many of us think you know, we, we, we can do this. We can lay down our ambitions and, and follow Jesus, but we only do that when it suits us. And if we only follow God when it suits us, we're not following God, we're following ourselves. The same with Scripture. If we only want to apply certain Scriptures to our lives and leave the rest, then we are following ourselves, not Scripture. Because when it suits us, we will do it. When it suits us, we will obey. When we like the verse, we'll keep it to ourselves. But otherwise, we won't follow God. And that takes us to point number one. The call to die to self and live for God. You know, this is the same in part two when we spoke about we are redeemed as individuals, but this just gives a little bit of meaning, you know, to, to what we accept when we say we want to be redeemed individuals. If we want to accept Christ's sacrifice for our life, then we must lay down His, because He laid down His life for us. So the only appropriate response is doing the same for Him, letting go of ourselves and living for God. And this is, again, an individual call. You know, nobody can die to you for you. You need to do it yourself. Only I can decide to let go all of I have so that I can follow God. Only I can say that I'm going to lay down my ambitions, my purposes for my life, my selfish ambitions and purposes for my life and follow God. Only I can do that. Only you can decide that. No one can decide that for you. You must decide that for yourself. And when we accept this, you know, Jesus making the statement that it's sheep and shepherd, when we accept Jesus in our lives, we must become as dependent upon the shepherd as the sheep was back then. They had no control over where they're going, what they're going to eat, where they were going to stay. You know, they couldn't even protect themselves 
from stuff around him. It was the shepherd. They were completely dependent upon the shepherd. And we must do the same. Become completely dependent. And again, this is where it just shifts, you know. This is an individual response. We come to Jesus as sheep, but then he joins us together for a flock, a people, a body, united under Christ. And this is why it's so so important, you know, to die to self, not only for the shepherd, but also for the purpose of the flock. You know, if, if we are one flock and the shepherd is continually leading us somewhere, but certain people always want to stay behind. You know, you just have that ones that struggle. They, they don't want to go with the flock. They don't want to follow the shepherd. They want to do their own thing. This hinders the whole flock from arriving at a certain place and time. It keeps back all of us. And then, and God is a, a good shepherd. He actually says he will leave the 99 and go fetch the one that went astray. So we, we must die to self, not only for the shepherd, but also for the flock. Because we let go of our purpose. Now it's only God's purpose for our life that remains. We can go to the next verse. It says here in verse 16, There are other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. The same that we talked about in part two, you know, one people, both Jew, Gentile, male, female, slave and free. No matter where you come from, you are called to join as one people. And if we do not join this one flock, then we won't be led by the one shepherd. Because the one shepherd is only leading this one flock. Now in ancient Israel, if you had some sheep that were troublesome or you know they didn't want to go with the flock, they didn't get a separate shepherd just to walk that one sheep. The sheep got lost and went astray. And we see here, you know, with with God says one flock and one shepherd. And tonight I just want to focus. You know, last time we spoke about the body of of Christ, and I just want to exclaim a certain point here tonight. There's four ancient attributes of the church. That was there since then and it's supposed to be here also now. And the one that I just want to highlight tonight is that of unity. You know, one flock and one ship. We are called to this amazing unity. And then we see this in Acts chapter, chapter 2 when the first church got established. We see this unity among them. And again, it's the word of God coming to pass. In Jude chapter 2, God says, I will pour out my spirit in the last days on my people. You know, you will have all people filled with his spirit that serves him. You know, not just a single leader like Joshua or David or Moses. You know, all of the people will be filled with His Spirit. And we see that in the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, there's a lot of people moving up to Jerusalem for the feast. And God pours out His Spirit on His disciples. And all of these people, yeah, the great things of God extolled in their own language. And they rush together. And Peter stands up, preaches a sermon, and the Holy Spirit falls on all of them. And 3,000 people come to salvation that day now the all of the disciples that followed jesus were 120 and yet 3,000 people gets added to the church that day and what's so amazing about this story is not the fact that 3,000 people got saved but what's so amazing is that 3,000 people from different racial ethnic linguistic and cultural backgrounds were in perfect unity you don't get that you know, it says it, they sold all they had and they had everything in common. Everything in common. 3,000 people, you know, even from people of the same race, the same culture, the same social setting, you don't get that unity. It was unprecedented, unparalleled. You don't get that. And the question is why? Why is that? Because many times we think in church that we need to cultivate a certain culture. You know, if, if we cultivate the culture of unity, 
and people coming to the door, then we should teach them that culture. But I promise you now, this was not a culture taught to the 3,000 by 120 people. It didn't work that way. The culture of the 3,000 would have rubbed off on the 120. This culture of unity cannot be taught. It needs to be implanted by the Holy Spirit. There is no other way. And we read Peter making this statement when uh, Paul, when he writes to the Philippians, he says, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the fellowship with Him, being filled with Him, knowing the Holy Spirit, if any affection and compassion make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. And we see that that is our spirits. When we are people filled with the Spirit, if we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, you know, if we truly know God by the Holy Spirit, then we will be united as a people. It's not a culture. And today, you know, we are so disconnected. We continually speak about our season of life, you know, the season that I'm going through, or the season that you're going through. We rarely hear people speaking about the season we are going through. And through all of Scripture, we see that God also takes a people through season. Now, the Israelites, for example, they all were taken captive in Egypt. They all were led out of Egypt to the desert. They all were led into the Promised Land. They all were taken again into the captivity. They all were brought back to Israel. If there was a drought, all of them went through a drought. If there was blessing, all of them received a blessing. And the same is true for the early church. You know, when it says we need to we need to raise money for the Jerusalem poor, it speaks about the whole church in Jerusalem. Because all of them were poor. They had everything in common. You know, if we sell everything we had, not not saying we should do that, um, sell everything we have and we throw everything into a pile. That is all of our money. So if one of us is bankrupt, or if one of us are poor, then all of us are poor. Because we have everything in common. If one was rich, all was rich. If one suffered, all suffered. If one rejoiced, all rejoiced. Because they had this perfect unity. And then Tani, Tani, also Tani Tilda just, when we were playing at intercession, also just brought this up, you know, God just laying on our heart that we should be a people that have fellowship with one another. Not only to know one another, like I know Lisa, and I know Anu, but to be honest, you know, what they're going through at the moment, I have no idea. Because I'm so focused on what I'm going through. I'm so focused on my season of life and what I must go through that I'm completely unaware of what the people around me is going through. And then if we speak to one another, because it goes both ways, you know, I must reach out and you must reach out to one another. We will find that we are many times in the same season. We are many times going through the same problem. Or if you are going through the season, then I am having the answer for that season, you know, for the problem that you are facing or the thing that you are going through. Because we are called to unity and we must go through it together, not alone. And I not only unite as a people to fulfill the purpose of God, but to look after one another. To ensure that all of us are in a good season of life. You know, because we see that you know, there's one spirit with one message, one flock with one shepherd heading in one direction. All of us in one season. That takes us to point number two. The call to unite as one flock in God's presence. You know, and Wayne Grudem 
writing his book, Systematic Theology, he says, wherever the Holy Spirit is working strongly to manifest the presence of God in the church, one thing will be evident. A beautiful harmony in the church community and overflowing love for one another. If you are truly connected to God by the Spirit, then you will have that. You know, harmony with the believers around you, a love overflowing for the people around you. It cannot work another way. You cannot be connected to God who is called He is love and not overflow with love. Impossible. It doesn't happen that way. It can't work. You know, and the same thing is true. You know, A.W. Tozer writes and he says, you know, the, the unity in the church depends on each one of us relationship with God intimately. If all of us now go, you know, to our houses separately and we go and spend time with God and we are truly connected to God and we have true fellowship with the Holy Spirit, all of us will hear the same message. You know, when I go into my room and I not pray, Lord, what do you want to say to me? I pray, Lord, what do you want to say to your people? Because I'm a part of your people. So whatever God is saying to his people, he's saying to me. Whatever God's purpose for his people is, is God's purpose for me. Whatever God is leading his people, he's leading me because I'm part of God's people. And we should have that, that unity. And yes, I just want to also make this point that yes, there is certain seasons for certain individuals. It does happen. Certain people go through similar seasons on their own. But we must be very careful not to be deceived. You know, if the whole church wants to move in a certain direction, and I feel now I don't think so, I think we must go in this direction. I must check myself so that I'm not deceived, I'm not led astray. You know, we should ask ourselves if we are hearing the voice of the shepherd or that of a stranger. And then how do we know the difference? If we can go to the next verse. Jesus says, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And I just quickly want to show to you the shift that happens from verse 3 to verse 4. If we can quickly go to slide number 3. Just quickly want to show you. See, it says there, To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Speaking about the work of salvation that God does in our lives. And then if you go back to slide number 14, it says, when he has brought out all of his own sheep. So now he has gone and he has chosen these individual sheep. He has called this individual sheep. The individual sheep came to him. And they now are gathered into one flock. In the presence of the shepherd. And they have spent time with God. Because in that same scripture of Mark 13 and 14. It says that he called to himself those who himself desired. So that they might be with him. And send them out to preach. So before we get sent out to preach. We are called to be with Jesus. And see now this transition that happens. In verse 3 it says they hear his voice. See now what it says in verse 4. And the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Now they don't longer only hear the voice of the shepherd, but they know the voice of the shepherd. Why? Because they spend time with him. In the presence of God, going through the word of God, learning to know the voice of the shepherd. Now in Acts 2 again with the early church we find the recipe for this. Because as we read the book of Acts, these people were so clever, you know, in hearing and discerning the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit spoke and they know it was Him. They knew the difference between angels speaking and the Holy Spirit speaking. Crazy. You know, they could really discern the voice of God. And we see that in Acts 2 verse 42, it gives us the half of the recipe for that. It says they were, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, breaking of bread, to prayer, 
and meeting in the temple. So they were devoted to the Word of God, to speaking about the Word of God, to praying about the Word of God, and to go and hear the, God, the Word of God preached in the temple. They were devoted to it because the Apostles' teaching contained both the Old and the New Testament. They were devoted to it. And if we can ask ourselves, you know, are we devoted to it? Are we devoted to the Word of God? Are we devoted to fellowship with one another? To truly be with one another? To the breaking of bread, you know, remembering the sacrifice of Jesus? Are we devoted to prayer? Or do we do it sometimes? You know, it was the big difference. You know, and we all know this as well, you know, in John 1, it says that Jesus is the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word of God. How do we get to know Jesus? Through the Word of God. You know, we, we, we know these things. And then to ask ourselves, you know, whose voice do we hear most? Do we spend more time in the Word of God? Or do we get more information fed us by society? You know, the things we see on TV, the news, people at work. What, whose voice do we hear most? Because it will be the voice we recognize most. You know, whose ways do you know most? The ways of God or the ways of the world? I'm not speaking about, you know, terms that we know. Because as husbands, many times we also know, you know, God has called us to be the king, the priest, and the prophet of our households. And we like the way that sounds. That sounds nice, doesn't it? The king, the priest, and the prophet of my house. And then I leave it there and I just follow the example of whatever I see. You know, we know that we are the king, the priest, and the prophets, but what does it mean? You know, do we take time to go and see what it means? How does it look like practically? What does God say about it? Or do I just hold fast to the title? And the king, the priest, and the prophet, that's enough for me. I'll take the title and then just still live like the world tells me to do relationship. Or do I go to the word of God and say, Lord, I've heard that I'm the king, the priest, and the prophet of my household. What does it mean? What should I do? How does this look practically? Because I've known that that is to what you've called me. So show me, Lord, what does it mean to be this? Show me your ways. Teach me to know your voice. And then the other question is, you know, how well can we know Jesus? And if you go to the next slide, this, this was just, this is just amazing. It says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me. And I know the Father. What a comparison. Jesus saying, His sheep know Him like He and the Father know one another. What a comparison. And then Jesus is not just speaking about fully knowing. You know, we, we, we will never be able to fully understand or fully know God. That God is incomprehensible. We'll never reach that place where, where I can say I fully know God or I fully understand God. But God is speaking about truly knowing Him and truly understanding the ways of God. Because the Father and the Son didn't only know about each other, they knew each other. So Jesus is saying, yeah, my sheep won't only know about me, but they will know me. They won't only have information about me, but they will know me personally. You know, and this is where we need an intimate knowing of God. And this only comes through revelation. It cannot come through information of men. I can preach to you a whole night long. You can read a bunch of books about God, but that doesn't say you know God. It says you know about God. You know, and many times I've asked myself the question is, how can certain people drift away from God? If they've truly tasted and seen that God is good, how do you drift away? 
because they've never truly tasted and seen that God is good. They've heard it. They've heard it from people that God is, is good and God is faithful and that God will never leave you nor forsake you. They've heard it, but they've never seen it for themselves. They've never experienced it for themselves. They don't have the revelation. They only have the information. And then what's crazy is we can have this revelation through the Word of God with the Spirit of God. You see, we need the presence of God to reveal it to us. We need the Holy Spirit to reveal it to us. Now Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 2, from verse 10 onwards, it says that you have freely received the Spirit of God, that you might freely know the things given us by God. It's the Holy Spirit that brings that revelation. We'll never be able to understand it without Him. And we can know Him through the Holy Spirit. And God says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. We can know God. Not only has He invited us to know Him, He's given us all we need to know. He's given us the Holy Spirit and He's given us, given us His Word to know Him. We are the limiting factor. And tonight we've got to ask ourselves, you know, how much do we really want to know God? Because it will be directly evident in our devotion to Him. How devoted are we to the Word of God? How devoted are we to fellowship? How devoted are we to prayer? Because if you aren't that devoted, then the truth is we don't really want to know Him that much. And if, we, if I say, I really want to know God, and God says, here's my word, and here's the help of the Holy Spirit, He will guide you. You know, it's not something impossible. It's not something too far to reach. It's as easy as going to sit down, opening the word of God, praying that God will lead you, and beginning to read. It's not, it's not something impossible. You know, many times we think that it's this impossible task to know God. You know, God is so far away, but He made it so easy for us to truly know Him, to really know Him, to fully understand Him. You know, and we are the only limiting factor. God says, draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. And I want to encourage you guys, you know, if you feel tonight that shucks, maybe drifted away from God, I'm not that devoted to God. God is abounding in love and steadfast mercy. Again, He says, if one sheep moves away, if one sheep's not that devoted to me, I will leave the 99 devoted to go and look for the one that went astray. That is the love that God has for us. Now the enemy comes and says, now you've moved away from God, he'll never come. He'll never accept you back. God will not only accept you back, but he's looking for you. He's seeking you. He's the one coming after you. And if you have had that revelation that I've drifted away from God, it's because God is busy drawing near. God is calling you back. So draw near to Him. That takes us to point number three. The call to know the shepherd and his voice. And that's why people so, so easily sometimes drift away from God. Because they have no revelation from God. They only have information from men. And when you rely on the information of men, you always have to choose between the two. You know, if someone comes and they preach a certain message, and someone else comes and preach on the same topic, but, topic, but it's a different me- message, then you go with what information suits you most. You know, what information seems more ri- reliable. So then you hold fast to this information, but as soon as someone comes along, with better information, then you drift away, then you move away. You know, when, when it's our own fault, you know, if, if we don't know the truth, we don't have this revelation, you know, we, we're not going to go to heaven one day and say to God, you know, Lord, 
I don't truly know you or your voice because this people taught me something different. Coach, I called you by name. I gave you my Holy Spirit. And I gave you my word. Now we should do this to really get to know God. You know, it's sometimes mind-baffling for me. You know, the God of all things who created all things, through whom all things exist and for whom all things exist, that God calls us to relationship with Him. That God says, I want to speak to you personally. I want to know you personally. And I want to make myself known to you. What an invitation. And then what's so cool is the same illustration that Jesus uses is the sheep of ancient Israel, you know, could literally recognize the shepherd's voice. Literally recognize the shepherd's voice. If you would take three different shepherds and bring all of their flocks together and they go and start outside of the pen and the first shepherd calls, only his sheep would come. Second shepherd calls, only his sheep would come. That is the type of, you know, knowing his voice that God wants for us so that we can move out. And God is not going to send us out if we can get too easily led astray. You know, if he knows we are not ready, he's not going to send us out. And the people that, that wander away or the sheep that wandered away from the shepherd is because they wandered both away from his presence and from his voice. And the same is true for us. If we wander away from the presence of God or the word of God, we will tend to get lost. And there's no way. We need to remain close to those two things. We need to remain close to the shepherd and close to his voice. Otherwise, we will drift away. Now, it's... These three things, you know, that Jesus first wants to instill in our lives before we get sent out. Because the main purpose of our lives is still to be greatly satisfied in God. Now, that is our greatest purpose. You know, John Piper writes, God is, most, um, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in Him. Because that is what we should take to the people. You know, if we want to go and reach nations so that they must know God, we must know God. It's easy. If we want to take water to Cape Town, we must have water. We can't do it the other way around. If we want to take food somewhere, you must have food. If you want to go preach to people so that they might know God, then you must know God. You know, it's, it's easy maps. I mean, here it's where we wait until the shepherd leads us out. It's in this place, you know, when, when we have accepted the shepherd's call, we have united as one flock, and we have learned to know the shepherd and his voice, we will receive the calling of God for our lives. This is where we receive the word of God for our lives and we get sent out. And this is also why many people never receive the word of God for their lives. Because they never reach this place. They never devote themselves to the shepherd to know him and to know his voice. And they go through life, you know, and they did certain things, but whether it was the purpose of God for their lives, they will never know until they meet him one day. Hopefully some stumbled along the right paths. If we can go to the next slide. Again, John 10 verse 4, it says, When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And in Acts 3, 13 verse 2, it says, While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the, weed, for the work for which I've called them. And this is where we see, you know, we need both the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Because we'll see now, not only does the Holy Spirit empower us for the work of ministry, but He also directs us for the work of ministry. You know, the scripture says that He will come upon you with power and you will be my witnesses, but He's also the one that leads us, that guides us. You know, because God the Father is in heaven, our Father in heaven. The Son, Jesus, is at the right hand of the Father. 
the, the one part of the Trinity that's here with us is the Holy Spirit. He's the one that leads us. He's the one that guides us. He's the one that enables us to know God. Like the scripture in Ephesians 2 that we spoke about, it says we all have access in one spirit to the Father. It's through the Spirit that we have access to God. It's through the Holy Spirit that we can know God. And it's the Holy Spirit that guides and directs and leads us now. And we see this through the whole books of Acts. You know, let's use Barnabas and Saul as an example. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. And he sent them on a missionary journey. And somewhere along that journey, they really wanted to go and preach the word in Asia. But the word says, and the Holy Spirit forbade them from preaching the word in Asia. And if they only had the word of God, you know, the word says, go and make disciples of all nations. Why not go preach the word in Asia? Because the Holy Spirit didn't want them to go to Asia. Because we see here, the shepherd goes before them and the sheep follow him. Where the presence of God goes, that is where we follow. Because it's God that does the work through us. You know, God's presence doesn't follow us. We call to follow his presence. So if the Spirit doesn't go to Asia, then we don't go to Asia. And if the Holy Spirit doesn't want to go to a certain place, then you can go there, but it will be fruitless. You can go and preach all you want, you can say all you want. If the Holy Spirit doesn't do a work, if the presence of God is not there, then nothing will happen. And that is why it's so important, you know, to first have that fellowship with the Spirit and the unity in the Spirit before we get sent out. We first need to know His voice, and we first need to be united as a people. And then why is that? Because it doesn't matter where we go if we don't have what we should take there. It doesn't matter if we go to Cape Town to give them water if we don't have water. You know, many times in life we're so focused on where God should take us. You know, God, where am I called to go? Where should I be one day? And God's saying, you know, before we get there, let's first focus on what you should take there. You know, knowledge of me, the unity in the Spirit, unity among God's people. You know, a harmony, a overflowing with love. That is what you should first have before you move out. Because those things are what you should take there. So many times we, we never get what we should take there, and that's why we never go there. And that is what we should focus on tonight. To really first focus on having that thing that we should take there. Having that unity amongst our people. Having that love for one another. Having that love for God. And knowing the shepherd before we move out. And that takes us to the last point. The call to follow the shepherd's voice. And again, guys, this is as one flock, as the scripture also states, you know, Jesus moves out and the sheep follow him. No longer individual sheep, but all of the sheep follow him. And again, I'm going to make the statement that yes, as individuals also, we get sent out. Like the previous scripture in Acts 13 verse 2, two individuals got sent out. But you know what's so amazing about that scripture for me? If we can just quickly look at it again. It speaks about people being in the church. It says, while in the church in Antioch, there were teachers and prophets and it names a couple of names. And all of them, the whole church was busy fasting, worshipping the Lord. And it says, And the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. You see, the scriptures doesn't say, And he said to Barnabas and Paul, Set yourselves apart. The Holy Spirit spoke to the whole church. Now the whole church heard that message. The whole church knew that Barnabas and Saul was going to be set out for the work of ministry. The Holy Spirit spoke and the church looked at Barnabas and Saul and Saul and Barnabas looked at the church and they said, okay, come here, we're going to lay our hands on you and we're going to send you. And again, just for, for good advice, for good counsel, that is why God called us together. If you feel God leading you in a certain direction and none of your friends, you know, none of the people that have fellowship with you that are true believers that really know God, you know, feel 
very kosher about it. Feel that it is a good thing. And you should ask yourself, you know, is it God speaking? Because that whole church knew that God was sending Barnabas and Saul. And then again, if the whole church feels we should move in one direction and one individual feels that they don't want to, we should ask ourselves, you know, are we hearing the voice of the shepherd? Or are we following our own advice? And this is where we should focus on, guys. You know, I really want to just press into this point one, two, and three. For us as a church, I really feel God calling us to this season to really just let go of ourselves and our purposes, to really unite as a people, to really be a people that help one another, that know one another, that has fellowship with one another, and to really know the shepherd and his voice, which is calling us for a time where he wants to prepare us, to send us out. And we need to get this done. Otherwise, some of us will go and some of us will stay behind. Those who know the shepherd will grow and God will call them to a new season. But those who do not devote themselves will stay behind. So the, just to bring the series also together, you know, firstly we looked at the presence of God. We need the presence of God for our lives. We need the body of Christ, one flock. And we need the word of God. And it doesn't matter how much time you devote to one of those things, if the other two are not present, then we're going to go nowhere. We need to focus on all three of those areas. We need to devote ourselves to all three of those areas. So let's stand and pray tonight.